Hi again, and welcome to Navigating the Shadows. Today we're going to look at an article about a very topical subject, obviously, at the moment, the coronavirus. Uh, this is an article written by Ian McKay in the uh, Sydney Morning Herald in Australia, titled, You and I May Get Coronavirus and Live With It. Here's How to Prepare for a Pandemic. This article came out on February the 27th, so what's that, about four or five days ago, and I remember I read it at the time, and it actually changed my thinking on what's going on. So I thought I'd share it, uh, particularly for those who aren't able to or don't regularly read Australian media. I thought it was a very, very good article. It's got 159 comments too, so we might have a look at some of those top comments to give us a, a bit of a feel for how things are going here in Australia, probably in the last day or two. Okay. It's impossible to avoid news about the impact of the clumsily named Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome Coronavirus 2. The illness it causes is on every news and social media platform in a hyperlinked world. In China, the spread of SARS-CoV-2, which I think is the term he's using here for the coronavirus, from each infected person to about three new people launched an epidemic across a nation of modern megacities. It's important to note here in the last couple of hours we've had the first news of person-to-person um, -person, uh, transmission in Australia of someone who hasn't been overseas. Um, so that's a bit of a milestone for what might happen here in the coming days and weeks. From there, it hitched a ride in infected travellers to more than 30 other regions. It's spreading quickly because no one has immunity to this. Some nations such as Singapore have valiantly limited the spread, while others such as Korea, Italy and Japan, and obviously Iran now, um, have seen rapidly rising number of cases. Now, it mentions here, because of concern to the Middle East was the unseen spread in Iran, first identified through deaths. Because death lags illness onset by weeks and represents only a small portion of all infections, there are likely many cases already there. So this is four or five days old and we've obviously uh, know the truth about what's going on in Iran now. The virus is so globally widespread that it's unlikely we'll ever see it eradicated, which is an interesting thought. Um, it's not something that comes and goes, and we can fight it and defeat it. It's always going to be here like, I suppose, any other type of virus. The SARS virus in 2002-2004 was different. It spread and shed differently, and so good public health measures contained it. But this coronavirus may be with us for good a new addition to the rogues gallery of the four human coronaviruses that we live with all at the same time. At some point you will, this is, this is the bit that got me, at some point you and I will likely be infected by SARS, but the important, is, the important point is that we can live with it. Australia has done well uh, since February 15, it's been expertly managed the cases and 30,000 self-isolated people have resulted in no outbreaks or spread and no deaths. Well that changed today. Um, we have received, uh, received news of our first death here in Australia. I think it was an um, Australian of Chinese background and he might have been on the Diamond Jubilee ship. Um, however, we're suffering a daily economic impact on our tourism. That's obvious we can see that. Um, education and export sectors which may not be sustainable for much longer. At some point travel will resume and we should expect a new uh, coronavirus cases. Um, I suppose, look, that's probably been my thinking to a certain degree at this point, has been that um, the virus might act not actually be the most dangerous aspect of what's going on at the moment. It's you know, it's obviously it can kill, um, but I suppose it's the, it's the flow-on effect, and if we do get to see a mild panic or a mild um, 
or even a, uh, the, the country decides to shut down China style, um, we're going to see massive economic and social impacts um, and potentially that's more dangerous. Um, I've got elderly parents, I've been speaking to them, they're in their 70s um, and I've been saying to them, look, go out and start to get a few extra staples now because when and if a rush goes on at the supermarket, I don't want you in your 70s driving there because people are going to be distracted, a little bit worried and it could be more um, dangerous on the roads um, with people not paying attention, being a bit distressed whatsoever and it could actually be that that you could find yourself in a dangerous situation it's sort of it's related to the coronavirus through the fact that people are reacting to that, but it's not the coronavirus that mainly is as dangerous. Um, so I've been sort of thinking about that hypothesis a fair bit lately. Let's continue with the article. Um, the discussion should turn to the use of perfectly normal English language word, a pandemic. This needs to be done with care, subtlety and extra words, but the word pandemic doesn't change anything about the virus already with us. Its nature, spread genetic sequence and its human impact remain unchanged by saying it's about to cause a pandemic. So that's really about how it's talking about how we address it here. Um, but because of the way the word has been previously used or rather not used, it's held in fearful regard. Whether we call what likely will come next an epidemic in many countries or a multi-country outbreak or a pandemic doesn't change what it will be. So instead of holding certain terms in reverse, let's define and use them early on. For now, the world is still in containment mode, um, but many countries are in deep in preparations for when the virus breaks containment and spreads wildly. So I, I agree with the author here. I think it's going to break out. You can't contain this, particularly when it's, um, it seems that it has such a long um, shelf life um, and you can infect people um, without, whilst you're not showing any symptoms. Um, slowing the spread so far has mostly been because of China's extreme and large-scale quarantine. It limited movement of, of well, as in unsick people, but those who have possibly been exposed. It isolated sick people from the well and it imposed social distancing measures, closing mass transit, keeping people home, delaying the return to work after the Lunar New Year break, and that has brought us time to prepare. So essentially, um, the author here is saying that what happened in China really, you know, they tried to stop it, but in reality what it's done is it's given us an extra week or two for probably those outside of China and maybe those in the other areas of China as well to actually prepare for what's going to come. And, however, right now it's spreading quickly because no one has any immunity to this new and distinct virus. That will change once more people are infected or in the future vaccinated. Immunity will protect us from future severe disease. Article continues, we have seen that severe disease and death do occur, but we also know little about the extent of mild and moderate illness, the kind that doesn't put us in hospital. Cases outside China have a pattern that suggests a milder spectrum of outcomes and a lower proportion of death. If we imagine a submerged iceberg represents all the cases, the bit we see the most of, the severe disease above the waterline, is only a fraction of the outcomes. It's the size of what lies beneath that we're still unsure of. Because China focuses intently on pneumonia, what we've seen thus far may overstate the severity of the coronavirus. That is, if we can believe the numbers coming out of China. Um, that will... In Australia, it's time for individuals to plan before we have more cases arrive. While not guaranteed, it's likely. Think more hand-washing and less face-touching. 
funnily enough, I'm touching my face as I read this now. It's amazing how many times we do it. Um, discuss working from home. Stay clear of obviously sick people and all good advice during flu season too. Uh, we had a co-worker go home sick today from the office. Um, she'd been um, travelling interstate, um, had come back. Um, nowhere um, known hotspot or where there's any problems. Um, but uh, she said she was ill, so we pretty much just said, all right, off you go home. But look, she could have been sick for two weeks in, in the week that she was in the office previously. This is the, this is the worry. Um, and so reading and thinking about that, this is when I started to think about preparations. And gradually over the last four or five days, I've gone to the supermarket every day. I've got kids, so I don't want to go to the supermarket and bring and, you know, load up a supermarket trolley full of toilet paper and you know, canned foods and sort of start freaking everyone out. Um, and I've gradually just gone in, gone to different supermarkets, picked up an extra half a dozen bits of tin food, rice, and various things, thinking that at some point I might have to self-isolate myself. Um, and if I don't, I've got extra food to work through. It's all food that'll keep. I'll work my way through it eventually. Or maybe I'll give it to a homeless organisation or, or give it to charity, um, hopefully when things settle down. So, you know, no real downside, to be honest. But this is, and, and that's compared to probably, so it was, it was a risk assessment thing for me. So what's the downside? Um, spending a little bit more money extra for food that I was going to eat anyway and doing that and maybe looking a little bit silly. And what's the other side of the coin there? Having to self-isolate at home and running out of food um, and having to put other people in danger to bring me food to what will already at that point be a stress system. Um, I doubt you know Uber Eats would deliver. I doubt there'd be the social services available to help me. So the idea here is that probably the best way to help the community is to look after myself first, make sure I'm not at risk. I, and if I am, do become a risk, if I get sick, I can self-isolate totally and not put risk to others. So balancing those two sides of the coin, I think I've made a pretty obvious decision. Um, talk. So back to the article. Again, we're sort of getting um, some approaches here from the author about things we, we can do that are not extreme, but just simple, basic common sense. Talk to doctors about extra prescriptions if needed. Get a box and label it pandemic stuff. And each grocery shop for the next few weeks, buy an extra couple of things such as toilet paper. Interestingly, tonight, toilet paper was all gone. I went to two supermarkets. One of them had probably about half a dozen packets left. Um, and I saw some um, people who were doing the full-on panic buy uh, there was a group of three ladies, um, they had a trolley each, loaded to the brim with cans, toilet paper, um, cleaning stuff, um, like antiseptic, um, like Dettol and antiseptic cleaning stuff. They were obviously in full-on uh, panic buying mode. Um, uh, where else are we up to? Um, buy extra couple of things such as toilet paper cleaning and feminine hygiene products, pet food, dried foods and cans that will last but still get eaten if this is all a flash in the pan. Exactly my thinking. This is just in case interruptions to supply occur. Truck drivers and families get sick too, obviously. How do things get to the supermarket? They get driven there in trucks. But do not panic buy. And he makes this true. I think that's a bit of a thing though. If you tell people not to panic, they tend to panic. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, and the article says, but do not panic by and do not panic otherwise. Prepare, but do not panic. It's okay to feel anxious, but don't act without thinking. Be a calm voice for others. Listen to the public health authorities. They will hopefully better communicate specifics about what we are likely to face and what more that we can do as individuals. And uh, this, is a, this is a good um, last um, artic, uh, paragraph, paragraph here. A pandemic is coming. 
but we managed the swine flu pandemic in 2009. We got through it as a community relying on science, knowledge and communication, and we can do that again. Words convey knowledge, and knowledge is both powerful and comforting. Let's not get caught by surprise. Let's keep talking about this, working together and supporting each other as to be ready as we possibly can be. And the author is Ian Mackay, Mackay or Mackay, and he's a virologist and associate professor at the University of Queensland. So as I said, um, that was the article that got me thinking about, because I've never really been a prepper or anything like that, um, but thought there are prudent actions here to take that can not only improve my situation with a very, very low downside. It's not like I'm spending $1,000 on something that's not I'm not going to be able to use again. I'm spending just a little bit extra on food that I'm going to eat anyway. Um, versus, and this is the bit that got really sort of made my decision, was that if I do need to self-isolate, I don't want to have to rely on anyone else and put them at risk to look after me. Um, I live by myself. Um, and I think the idea is that if I do have to self-isolate, I should do it in a way that and the best way I can contribute, I suppose, to the community in a situation like that is that um, I'm fully self-reliant. Okay, so we've got 159 comments on this. Let's go to the most respected comments. Um, I always find that gives a very, um, it's a very good way of sort of get, get gauging the temperature, I suppose, to, to use maybe a medical term, um, on how things are going. Um, most respected comment four days ago by someone called Lights on the Hill, um, 82, um, plus 82. In Singapore, Prime Minister Lee spoke to the country at the beginning of the crisis, encouraging people not to panic. Do not wear a mask if you're not sick. The country encourages people to come forward if they think they are infected. If quarantined, the government will cover costs, hospital and medical costs, pay the family 100, uh, I think that's Singapore dollars a day, to ensure they have food, and it's illegal to terminate staff um, if they are in quarantine. Hence, there's been no panic, no deaths so far, and expertly managed by a super proactive government. So that's talking about the importance of sharing the information. I think um, Singapore got hit hard with SARS, there were a number of deaths there, um, so maybe they've learnt their lesson from there. Um, next highest comment by Mount Glorious is six degrees cooler than Brisbane. Um, obviously, uh, long screen name there. Prepare, but do not panic. Solid advice. Uh, Lester says a balanced, sensible and authoritative article that should reassure the vast majority of the population. Pity the mainstream media doesn't do the same. Hysterical headlines don't help anyone. Uh, which is true... But then there's someone saying that they think that, um, uh, well, you read this article in the mainstream media, so your comment makes no sense. Uh, and then we've got a comment from someone called Saffron. However, we're suffering a daily economic impact on our tourism, education, and export sectors, and this may not be sustainable for much longer. At some point, travel will presume, and we should expect new cases. This is inevitable. So they're quoting um, from the article there. Uh, the commenter says, words actually fail me on reading that. It's not at all inevitable, but totally discretionary. Nor should public health ever be sacrificed for the almighty dollar. How much do they expect this will all cost the economy and people when they're sick or even lose their lives? We're already having the running down of the health system, as it's such a low priority to the state and federal governments. Um, so essentially, the, uh, I think Saffron's here sort of saying that it's... Uh, um, how much should we worry about the economy when potentially we're all at risk here? Um, to the disease um, and I might wrap this up 
Uh, just a few more comments. That's got a bit of things here. Someone from Peter Angel. Australia's population is about 25 million. If 10% get coronavirus, that's two and a half million cases. If 1% of those people die, that's 25,000 deaths. I think there's good reason for concern. Um, Wombat says, got to die something. Cancer kills 50,000 of us a year. Heart disease, about the same amount. Um, and we just go on and on and on. Um, so much missing, and there's someone here from D. Lee. So much misinformation in the comments, misinformation and the misinformed create panic. So many statistics being quoted without referencing. Stop it. Um, and this is where I suppose we get down into the weeds of the comments. Um, look, I just sort of wanted to share um, that article. I'll leave a link in the show notes. Um, I just thought it was a good article, straightforward, made, changed my thinking about things a little bit. Really, I suppose the two key points were, look, we're probably going to get it at some point, just like every other flu or every cold season. This is a new one that goes around the world. Um, so, you know, likelihood of you getting it is pretty high. Best thing you can do is to prepare reasonably, not panicking, um, and just get on with your life. And as I said, this channel is big on personal responsibility, so I've taken a decision um, of taking personal responsibility for myself and my family, um, assisting them, but also making sure that if I, if I um, come down with anything, that I'm not a burden on anyone else because um, I think there's going to be plenty of other people who are going to need help. So with that being said, uh, thanks for listening, and uh, I'll talk with you again soon. Cheers.